pre-dropped here, no doubt. Yeah, pre-dropped. Whoa, that thing came out sideways. Drove it into the penalty area. Whoa, yeah. Oh, that was a shank. It's hard to believe watching this. It made an unbelievable bogey in the drop zone. Hello, folks. Happy Sunday afternoon. If you are a cable TV watcher, then the final round of the Rocket Mortgage Classic is underway. But, Sean, if you have a solid internet connection and a savvy understanding of golf streaming capabilities, you have already seen that Ricky Fowler has won on the PGA Tour for the first time in four years, four months, and I believe 28, could be 29 days. Uh, Sean, were you able to to uh, work the the online tubes in England to watch Slick Rick get back on top? Yeah, I was. I uh, struggled about with that for a while, though. <laughs> I almost went into our Slack channel to say, guys, I know that I'm getting up there in age, but I'm lost. I don't know where the golf can be watched right now. Um, but I did get to watch Ricky win um, only after I watched the what's called the ashes Dylan. It's the big cricket match that happens. I think once every four years between mm-hmm. England and Australia, uh, maybe it's one every two years. I can't remember. How'd that but anyway, go? uh, it was briefly interesting this afternoon when England was mounting a comeback off of the, uh, the batsman named Ben Stokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I learned, I learned all about bowling, uh, which is what, the kind of pitcher does. I learned yeah. all about fours and sixes and uh, lots of cricket stuff, but this is not a cricket podcast. Tell you what, Sean, <laughs> I, you, you didn't, it, you didn't learn it. Cause I've been there before. I've, I've, I've felt like I made some progress in my cricket understanding. And then, you know, you're not going to watch it again for another 18 months mm-hmm. and it's going to come on. You're going to be like, I thought I had retained some information on this sport and it's all, just gibberish once again. Uh, you get, you dang. get wickets out there, and <laughs> well, I'm and flying high with and, my my wicket. No, knowledge. that sounds uh, great. I think I'm just jealous. Don't don't let my don't let my cynicism overwhelm your cricket joy. Um, what did you think of Ricky? I didn't expect it uh, to happen. He's he's just gotten really good at hovering on leaderboards yeah. this whole year, and not actually punching. And uh, that felt like it was happening again today, right? He did punch early, made three birdies on the front nine, but then didn't make a birdie until the 18th. And it was just a bunch of pars and just hovering and hovering and hovering and truly letting other people take it away from him. The other people here being uh, Colin Morikawa and Adam Hadwin. But he did somehow do it in like the least surprising way, which was hitting a horrible tee shot in the playoff being far out of position compared to the other guys and getting up and down um, from a ridiculous spot when they couldn't get up and down from the middle of the fairway. So I don't know, like, you know, the whole like Mongolian reversal thing where you, mm, yep, you know, you, you make a putt and they miss a putt. This was that I think times two, but also like in a much bigger way because of where their tee shots went. It's fitting that Ricky Fowler was saved by the fans, you know, it trampled down a lie that, Actually, what? Why did he get relief? And someone, someone stepped on his ball. Like, what happened with? Why did mm, he get a drop? He got, he got relief because the fans had. Well, he hit into the fans, mm-hmm. far right, and there, uh, you know, it's all trampled down area, and he got a ruling for water, casual, casual water. I guess they would call it. That's how he got away with it. <laughs> Great break. Yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting because they referenced this a couple times in the broadcast, but the fact that uh, on 18, his first time around, when he needed birdie to force a playoff, he hit it into the first cut, um, second cut, whatever it was, that just off the fairway. And as a result, he was able to stop it but not spin it back. And he hit an awesome shot, hit it to like three feet, kicked that in for birdie, made his way into the playoff. And then in the playoff, it was effectively the same thing. He had a perfect lie. Uh, he was able to access that pin and have his ball release off this uh, lie in the rough. And then you saw Adam Hadwin make a great swing from the fairway and spun it back too much. Then you saw Colin Morikawa realizing that he was going to have to throw it past the pin because there was no way he was going to 
take enough spin off of it and then flew too close to the sun, landed one, maybe two yards too long, and then just caught that rough instead of juicing back and having another good look for him at birdie. So it was a real reversal. It's crazy how fine the margins are. A, if Ricky just doesn't pull that shot off in regulation, he's not in it. If Morikawa's putt on 18 in regulation goes in, then that's over, and that looked like a really good putt. And then if Ricky draws a bad lie, um, probably if he draws the lie that would have been appropriate for his tee shot on 18 in the playoff, again, it's a different story. But it's really a deserving win. I mean, this is Ricky's 13th top 20 finish in his last 15 starts all on the PGA Tour, which is crazy. Um, Wait, say that again? 13 top 20s in 15 starts. The only <laughs> exceptions there were that he finished 31st at the Arnold Palmer, so not bad. And then he missed the cut at the PGA Championship. Uh, but besides that, he's just been all around the the top 20. Only I think only one top five in that, and that was at the U.S. Open, where he faded hard on Sunday. Yeah. Um, so you could say this is his first top four finish in, uh, 18 starts if you wanted to frame things that way, but that's a ridiculous level of consistency. So I guess maybe we just thought that that was going to happen forever, that he would just keep contending and he didn't, he slammed the door. Yeah. I just, this is, this feels wrong in his moment to say this, but it, to me, it just, Are you gonna be like, a okay, no, 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 no. I'm I'm going to be adjacent. Uh, his okay. thir- 13 top 20s out of 15 starts. Just a reminder that Scotty Scheffler has 18 top 12s in a row. <laughs> like if crazy. like what, what, what Ricky has done <laughs> is nuts, and we are we are right to you know you know proclaim that. Yeah. But it's not even close to what Scheffler has done, which is just another reminder that what Scotty has, has done this year is that nuts. Is nuts. Um, How many wins does Scotty have in that stretch? Two. Two. And just Ricky two. Ricky has one. And, yeah. Sheesh. I mean, um, I kind of wanted more out of Ricky post-round. I haven't, you're not uh, alone. I have not watched his, his post-round press conference yet. I'm eager to do that. But... In the in the winning moment to be like, yeah, you know, there's more to life than winning. Like, yeah, man, there is. We're look, thrilled you have that perspective, but especially thrilled you have that perspective, I guess, when you don't win. When you do win, it's like, let us know. How does it yeah. feel, King? It's not like he's done a lot of winning and it's been one thing he's been working towards is getting back into the limelight, and it's only been asked, you know, hey, what's it like to be back here? Are you thinking about winning? You know that he has thought about it. You know that, especially during this 13 top 20s and 15 events, he's thought, why, you know, why hasn't it happened that I've won? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had top, he's had 54 hole leads, whatever. Like that's when you think about winning. So, as much as he wanted to downplay the win, he has thought about winning. And so, yeah. honestly, Dylan, that is just another example of Ricky Fowler choosing uh, humility. Um, but also, you know, choosing to be bland. Humility can be very, very bland. And when Tony Finau breaks through at this event last year, remember what Tony Finau was doing? He was, he was basically giving us amazing quotes about how a winner is just uh, a loser who didn't give up, mm. right? Stuff like that, that we took and we put in our pocket, we ran with it. That, that helped define, I think, Tony Finau's season. That was a really tough basic interview from Ricky and honestly I wanted Amanda to push him a little bit further but uh, well they were up against they were up hard against a uh, a wall there because they got off the air like within within (laughs) two minutes of that final putt dropping it felt like they had to be off the air so yeah I don't know I think I think it's I think it's probably partly just something as simple as this is a guy who is required to kind of modulate his emotions at all times because if he gets too is frustrated, he? he can't. Well, I, not required to, but he has. That's kind of like the guy that he has has chosen to be is a guy that's kind of kept things in control uh, to some extent. Yeah, he does have to because he's become this mega brand, and he's also been playing, you know, golf until the last twenty five starts. Golf that's 
substandard for his reputation. So I think over the last couple of years, he's probably had to learn to keep things flatline and being as being as much of a brand as he is, it seems like he is attuned to not saying the wrong thing. He's even talked a little bit about that. So my hope is that in that moment, it's still like, whoa, what does this mean? I don't know. I won 30 seconds ago. Like, I I, <laughs> I don't know yet. I'm going to kind of stick to what I've been saying. It hasn't sunk in yet that I actually have one. So I can change my answer here because <laughs> it's now a different feeling. And uh, hopefully, you yeah. know, I'm seeing that there is a, a lengthy press conference here. So I, I won't dog I, on him yet until yeah. I read that. I Mostly think the- I'm just excited because it's such an interesting situation. It reminds me a little bit of Tony Finau last year of a a guy that's been in the mix and in the mix and in the mix and uh, and now is winning and he's such a likable guy. Everyone's happy for him. Yes, it comes at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, which is not not exactly a designated event, but still is a PGA Tour event with a strong field. So there's a lot of different things going on, but I, I want to know really that feeling of satisfaction, what exactly that's like. Yeah, well, I think it, the most emotive that we saw on the broadcast was just the absolute instant that the putt went into the hole. Yeah, he picked his head up, and I think he put his putter at his side, and he basically just stared off into the distance and exhaled. Like, okay, I freaking did it! Holy cow, that was actually a pretty emotive moment. It was even cool. if uh, yeah. he didn't talk about it in a in a huge way. Um, so yeah, I guess we will wait to see the presser and. You know, I think I was you just know scanning this. Just be, it here. Just because it looked, it's long doesn't mean and there's much much to it. No, but I just I was just scanning it and he said Ricky said he's heading over to London with JT and Jordan and our wives. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh they give you a ring. I think Jordan's gonna probably be looking for you know, probably be looking you up, get some local wrecks. Say, Sean, you know England, right? Yeah. A a little birdie told me they might be taking on Wimbledon. And I will John be as Ron's well. shirt, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, we won't be sitting in the same box. I'll tell you that. Uh, I do have good news for you though, Dylan, Yeah. to celebrate rocket mortgage ambassador, Ricky Fowler winning this week's rocket mortgage classic at Detroit golf club, multiple buildings in the rocket company's family in downtown Detroit will be lit in the color orange tonight at dusk. For Ricky I thought Fowler. you were doing an ad read there. I thought we suddenly had a sponsor that I didn't know about. Um, <laughs> kind of was. It's 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 written from the the PR release that's about cool. Rocket Mortgage Ambassador. Uh, it is cool, but There's, it's it's you know it's a photo. Yeah. Well, hey, orange, orange making a run at the July Fourth color of, of the summer here. Red, white, and blue is out. I was thinking about making an orange and white striped sheet cake for my July 4th barbecue, but I don't think anyone would get the joke. Uh, yeah, who beat us in the World Cup? Who beat us in the World Cup, Sean? You tell me. The Netherlands. Mm. Orange. orange. Orange just season. dominating us recently. Um, you want to you wanna talk about a few of the other fellas in contention this week? Yeah, Morikawa felt like a nice little surprise. I have yeah. been quietly kind of dogging him, uh, you know, only in in private conversations. Didn't you just pick uh, him to win a major? No, I mean that might maybe the Masters or the. I guess you PGA, picked Ricky but... to win a major. Anyway, uh, continue. I don't, think, I don't think I did that either. But, anyways, I'm glad my picks are are stewing up, uh, real estate <laughs> in your head. But Morikawa has not been great recently uh he it, it felt like he was going to really steamroll this year when he came out and was up six at the event you were at in hawaii and then he blew it on sunday and john rom chased him down and those guys have gone on different directions but morikawa has just he's not been as he's just kind of been hovering you know 10 11 yeah. 12 15th 20th best in the world and um it just didn't really – I felt like there was going to be that for a while and it was going to be sustained. And you know what? That's not necessarily good enough to put you in the Ryder Cup team. And this is the time of the year where we really focus on who is going to be on that Ryder Cup team because 
there are some horses that uh, we'd expect to be on the team that aren't guaranteed, and he was one of them. And so, uh, is he still, you know, up for debate whether he'll be on that team? I think definitely. Um, if he would have won, maybe that puts him on the team. I don't really know how this stuff necessarily gets figured out by Zach Johnson, but it was yeah, it's very easy in real actually. time to say, look, oh yeah, he's finished. He finished second this week. Of course, he's going to be on the team. But yeah, I guess if there's. There's no lock just yet, huh? No, not yet. And if you do look at, at Morikawa's last, what, 15 rounds or so, I think only only a handful of them are, are strokes gained below average. So he is trending into form. Um, it's slow. It's certain. It's sure. Uh, I just had a good conversation with Jamie Weird the other day, you know, Sky Sports golf reporter, European uh, Ryder Cup team, Stan, former Super drop fan. Guest. <laughs> uh, he he was one of those people that like has started to highlight. You know, Morikawa is not playing too well, um, so that'll probably shut Jamie up on on that topic for just a little bit. But here's um, my thing on Colin. He sort of uh, he threw us off the scent with a bizarre WD at the Memorial, where he was actually he was in contention. This wasn't like a Oh man, I'm gonna you know shot seventy eight on Saturday. I'm not gonna play Sunday. Uh, he was full on in the mix and then had to pull out. So then there were suddenly injury concerns. But he played all right at the U.S. Open, finished t fourteen. Then another confusing miscut at the Travelers, and then now now nearly wins a couple couple things away from winning uh, this week. Shot eight under on Sunday. So pretty good stuff from him. Adam Hadwin was was just thrilled with the week. Uh, it's funny you think, oh, could someone be disappointed losing in a playoff, coming so close to victory? Not Adam Hadwin. He said nothing <laughs> but positives coming out of this week. Extremely Canadian. Um, really just a guy that has shown up in a couple different playoffs recently for different reasons, but uh, did not get tackled this week. Ricky nearly got tackled by his caddy, who was much more emotive than he was. Um, but good stuff from Hadwin, too. Man, this is a Rocket Mortgage Classic leaderboard. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I thought this was a big-time Bombers golf course, and instead it's a bunch of small ballers coming through here. Ricky, Hadwin, Morikawa, none of those guys uh, smashes it out there. But typically, you think of the Rocket Mortgage as uh, distance is a pretty big predictor of success. And Taylor Pendrith was in the final group. He smashes it, but played poorly on Sunday. Just not a, not much of a correlation this week between Mm-mm. being a big fella and uh, finishing up there. Another crowded uh, leaderboard, too. You had, you had to shoot 10 under just to crack the top 50. What do we make of Ludwig? Well... Well, well, well. I think, honestly, I think we, we got to think big picture here and say, look, 65-67 in the first two rounds, it, that really says something. And then a sloppy weekend. That look, also it says, says something. It does say something, but I feel like this is a case where the good outweighs the, the disappointment. Like I think you can project forward with the good stuff. Finished with uh, birdie, birdie on seventeen and eighteen. Maybe he'll he'll be able to take that <laughs> forward. But it there was a point on Saturday where it felt like, all right, this wait, this wait, dude wait, is going to win wait, this wait, golf wait, tournament. Wait, wait. <laughs> did you did you just really get excited about him finishing birdie, birdie? I was just thinking about how I I at one point I'd looked at his scorecard on uh, today and he was two over for the round and he was outside the top fifty and it was like wow. What a plummet. But, you know, he's he scrounged a couple strokes back at the end. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I don't think it's great that he shot 145 on the weekend. Um, I, th- I found it to be the perfect um, sobering moment, I guess, for, like, everyone that was part of the hype train, of which I am guilty. I wrote an article when he was still an amateur saying, look out folks, an amateur might play his way onto the Ryder Cup team this fall. And I still think that that is extreme, an extreme possibility. Uh, but 
man, the hype train was going crazy Thursday and Friday. And the hype train has deservedly gotten more and more people jumping on the bandwagon because he's played really, really well. And Data Golf has ranked him inside the top 10 Europeans. Like, he's playing his way onto that team. Luke Donald is reportedly saying, look, only a few people have really impressed me on first glance when I've played with them. There's like three people. Ludwig is now one of them. One of the others was Rory McIlroy. So like he's receiving a lot of high praise. A lot of it is very much earned. Sometimes at a incredible scoring bomber-oriented golf course, if you come out, play really well, and then it all hits you and you don't play well, that might be what like everybody needs to kind of just calm down and be like, okay, <laughs> this guy's not he's not leading the European team into Rome. He yep. might get the he might get the Christian Leitner tenth, eleventh, twelfth spot on that team, and he might play three matches. But maybe we pump the brakes and just appreciate what he's doing right now because uh, wait, what is, is that extremely... Christian Leitner reference? Well, Christian Leitner was the twelfth man on the uh, dream team. <laughs> oh, 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 all right. Thank you. Um, but uh, that, that would be, I guess, equating Europe to the, the dream team, which is also pretty dangerous. So maybe uh, wrong yeah, on I your mean, account to not recognize it, but wrong on my account to use it too. No, j- just, I guess, to get a little bit more concrete with it, if you want to look at something encouraging, we know he's a great driver of the golf ball. He was the best driver of the golf ball this week in uh, strokes gained off the tee. He was also 80th best of guys who made the cut in strokes gained approach, which is, as we know, the most predictive statistic, the most correlated with success on tour. Normally, there aren't even 80 guys that make the cut. This week, there were 84. (laughs) He was 80th out of those. So first in strokes gained off the tee, nearly last in strokes gained approach, which is really... A pretty bizarre thing. Um, those aren't yeah. usually so <laughs> usually far off the mark. Um, but yeah, he's not yet a great irons player when you know in his handful of PJ Tour events. So that that's I guess that should give everyone a little bit of pause. Um, yeah, he's got some things to iron out. But mm-hmm. it's nice, really good, Dylan. Uh, Max Homa. Did not go three one three. Did not win the three one three challenge, but he did make a one on the week. This is the thing I had thought that the th- I still actually am unclear on this. Is the three one three you have to do it in one single round, or it's just throughout? It really you have to do one round. One round. I thought it was like it's, a. Uh, it's the single biggest uh, fake prize in all of golf. And I appreciated Homa called it out in his pre-round press conference. He said it's the most absurd challenge ever anyone has ever set up. And then, of course, he did accomplish the most difficult part on Sunday, making an ace. So uh, why don't you explain this to people who don't know what this, what's happening? So the three-one-three challenge, thank you for getting me to clarify that. Um, it's 14-15-16 at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, which is a par 5, a par 3, and a par 4. And... <laughs> The three one three challenge involves I maybe like a it's like a couple million dollar donation on behalf of Rocket Mortgage, but that means you have to make an eagle, and then you have to make an ace on fifteen, <laughs> and then just to cap it off, you have to birdie number sixteen, which is one of the hardest holes on the course. Yeah. So, yeah. Also, fourteen is like a really long par five that is over water, so it's a really kind of tricky shot to just. You can't like run it up to that green. It's right. it's it's it would be an it would be the most impressive feat of ball striking <laughs> that maybe we've ever seen. Yeah, I mean on seen. on Sunday it played as uh one of the harder holes on the course even though it's a par 5. So <laughs> it's outrageous. It kind of reminds me of when they say, "Oh yeah, if you have a perfect bracket, then we'll give you a car. Yeah. <laughs> we'll give you something for life." Hey buddy, there's a one in two trillion chance you're gonna have a perfect bracket. Good luck with the car. Um, I always wonder if there's some. G- I mean, you know what's funny is all, is the people that were involved with um, that initial like you know billion dollar bracket challenge uh, getting so popular. I believe were the people at Quicken Loans, mm. which are 
are I think tied to the Rocket Mortgage brands of some sort. Could be wrong. Could be they right. Certainly seem to get involved in similar moments, but I don't think that they're actually related. <laughs> I think that they were just one sponsored an event and then the other sponsored it. Okay. Either way. Um, Wait. No, you're right. No. Quicken Loans is connected to Rocket Mortgage. Yeah. Dan Gilbert. Wow. I think. Interesting. All right. Yeah. This I, is just the deep recesses of my Dan brain. Dan Gilbert, owner of Rocket Mortgage. <laughs> don't even know. Is, is Quicken Loans Rocket Mortgage? Are they the same thing? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i don't know <laughs> rocket mortgage mortgage llc formerly known as quicken loans llc oh wow! oh this changes everything <laughs> it really maybe does 1999 um, to 2021 and look even better before it was quicken loans it was called rock financial for 14 years <laughs> Uh, okay, so my the point I was trying to make, the dumb court connection I was trying to make is that those people who came up with the bracket challenge will will give you a billion dollars if you have a perfect bracket. I'm pretty sure that was a Quicken Loans initiative. Um, anyway, there has to be someone connected to these brands who thought, what would what would that look like in golf? Just like holding out a couple different places at the same round. Uh, and so maybe there's just a whiz kid, uh, someone in the marketing department promotions who's like, look, let's just make it an impossible golf thing. And people will think it's kind of kooky, but a lot of people will talk about it. Maybe we're all just pawns. I'm just picturing next year someone makes a three. And then makes a hole in one, and then rounds it off with blows a, their drive. Rounds it out with a nice par on number sixteen, and it's like, "Hey, thanks for playing." <laughs> um, oh, that'd be sad. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, nice couple weeks for people. Tony Finau surprising missed cut for him. We don't have to do the mm. whole thing where we just cruise down the leaderboard. He's um, not playing too well this this summer. Big tone. He's concerned. Are his Ryder Cup chances in, uh, you know, if they were a, if they were a wildfire warning, what what would they, what level would they be? Ooh, um, what are the what are the levels to wildfires? I don't know, but certainly green to red would be. Oh, I would put him. He's 18th in the Ryder Cup rankings, so and not trending well. So he's he. He's orange. Horrible choice of metaphor for me because orange actually sounds like something you might want to be in golf. You might want to be heating up, but in this case, wildfires yeah. are bad. So, uh, how about Justin Thomas shot 76 69, missed the cut by five, missed the cut by four. Yeah, JT. I don't know what more uh, there is to say his, here, but his are his, his are yellow, his wildfire. He's analogy. got enough are, benefit of the doubt from that he just sort of needs to show signs of, you know, look, there have not been fires here for several years. Let's just, mm-hmm. you know, we need a we need a rainy, uh, rainy six weeks here. Get things all tamped down. We don't have to worry too much about it. You can still keep your camping reservation for September. Yeah. So if Tony Tony's like he's probably like a what Northern Oregon or something or. Tony's maybe, maybe yeah. <laughs> in inland California. Yeah. JT's probably like uh I don't know, maybe like Tahoe. Like definitely somewhere that's had a real dry summer. <laughs> I mean everyone's susceptible these days. Um I don't know if, I don't know if Scotland is. I think everyone is just gonna turn off this podcast right now. Uh, you know something strange I noticed, John? Actually, no, that's not that interesting. Uh, Justin Sell, I noticed, really plays well on Thursdays and Fridays and really has been struggling on Saturdays and Sundays. We don't really need to discuss that any further. Just something to keep in mind. Um, what's going on in England? This is what I would really yeah. like to know. You have settled there. So much. You've, uh, you've made a home for yourself. You, where are you living? What is it like? Mm-hmm. what what's going on in your world so 
I guess people could have read this on golf.com last week, but I don't think many people did. Um, I flew from Los Angeles country club to Chicago for maybe like 30 hours and then flew from Chicago to Manchester immediately after that two red eyes in a couple days, absolutely kicked my butt. But I then went from Manchester airport straight to Hoylake, right to Royal Liverpool golf club Played 18 holes with a member named Joel McDonald, who has basically dived into the history of the Open Championship host. Um, and man, I was, I was inundated with information about the history of these golf holes at Hoylake. But um, if anyone knew what I did last summer, <laughs> I know what you did last summer. Uh, I went to Scotland for three months, and this this year I'm I'm doing something similar. I'm going to England for one month. So I spent eight days in the Liverpool area, played Hoylake, played uh, Royal Birkdale. I played Southport and Ainsdale. Um, I played, where else did I play? Oh, Do you have one fun fact from from uh, Hoylake that you can tease out before mm-hmm. we really get deep on a uh, on an open championship preview here in the coming week? Hmm. Gosh, I think fun fact would be that they still have horse stables on property somewhere because that's where they, that's how people used to get to the golf club. They would ride their horses there, that's which, sick. Is, which is kind of cool. Um, at least I, I believe that's the case. <laughs> um, lots to be learned about Hoylake, but it's a, it's a pretty cool golf club and I, wrote about just how much it's willing to change that's one thing that the listeners can look into if you go to royal liverpool uh, golf club on twitter they've got these interactive visuals of how individual holes changed over time where bunkers were moved to which bunkers were allowed to grass in how the greens changed and it's like it feels like every 15 years this like the 13th hole or something is just changing in a major major way it's super cool um and you know golf clubs aren't normally like that especially if you're hosting major championships you get all stodgy you don't want anything to change everything is sacred you got the old guard who don't think the same as the young bucks and the golf club never changes but this golf club certainly does i think we're this is an example where i think uk clubs have been behind the u.s and like embracing this idea of tapping back into history right and making some Mm -hmm. some positive changes i think when you're hundreds of years old, it's probably harder to really want to shake things up. So that's interesting. All right. So now what do you have between now and the open? Um, I went and I played all Woodley, which is in inland England, mm-hmm. uh, inland England, uh, in a town called Leeds. That was the first Alistair McKenzie course ever made ever ever made um the 10th hole out there basically is what they think uh alistair mckenzie used to fashion the 13th hole augusta national pretty cool um and then i have journeyed down to london to kind of keep the flow going i'm going to go to live centurion and see what the hell is going on there we'll see if phil mickelson wants to talk to me i think he does we'll report back to the drop zone (laughs) next week on that stuff uh, I'm going to go to Wimbledon for a day and pay my respects to my new hobby uh, of tennis. Um, That's awesome. I, I'm jealous about that. Yeah, I'm extremely excited about it. Uh, JT, Ricky and Jordan, I believe, are all going to end up at Wimbledon. I think John Rahm will probably end up at Wimbledon. I could see Rory going over to Wimbledon. It kind of feels like pit stop time for a lot of these guys that are mm. going to play the Scottish and the Open. Um I am uh, playing West Hill Golf Club on Tuesday. That's one. If there's any Londoners, are you happy listening. over there? How are your mentals? Uh, I'm lonely. I'm doing a lot of stuff by myself. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm not not too keen for. But I hung out with Jamie Weir. Like I said, um, Sky Sports uh, reporter. He took me into the English countryside, and I went to what is called the Town Fate. F-E-T-E with some sort of apostrophes. It's basically like the town fair. You have people bringing their jars of 
raspberry jam and uh, entering a competition against other people's jars of raspberry jam. You've got, um, you know, people throwing, uh, just raising money, selling books for 50 pence, just little cute trinket stuff uh, out in the English countryside. It was a delightful Saturday um, spent that way. And then I'll be uh, tripping up to Renaissance soon for the Scottish Open, um, which is a blast. It's going to fly by. There's so much stuff happening. There, you had the British Masters there this this uh, week. That was I, this I remember week. Yep. thinking this at, the, at St. Andrews last summer. It's like... If you just orient your golfing world there, there's a summertime stretch where everything seems like it's happening. Gosh, this, this is not news to great you. Great idea. <laughs> it's a yeah. Cool idea. Um, wow. All right. Well, I love it. I'm excited for you to kind of be our tour guide when we come over there uh, and to get a little bit of, of different flavor. Here's a question, Sean. Should Taylor Gooch be considered for the American Ryder Cup team? Now a three-time winner on Live Golf after yeah. uh, he won at Valderrama this week. He should definitely be considered. I think uh, I think it's going to be tough. I I think Zach Johnson, he said this publicly and, you know, as I understand it almost privately, he's, he's going to look at his, his dogs, his horses, and he's going to say, hey, Jordan. Hey, Scotty. Hey, I guess Ricky, but Patrick Cantley, Xander, Max Homa, you guys are on this Ryder Cup team. How many live guys do you want? All right, we all agree on Brooks Kepka. Brooks, you're on the squad. How many spots are there left? Taylor Gooch, is it, if it's between Taylor Gooch and Justin Thomas, Taylor, Taylor Gooch is not getting invited. If it's between Gooch and Morikawa, I don't think Gooch is getting invited. I don't even know how much, like, his form is still going to have to remain. He's probably going to have to play well at Royal Liverpool, and he's going to have to continue to be top of mind because – Keegan Bradley, right? Like we ju- we we are adding people to this Ryder Cup team every single week. It seems, yeah. and there's not there's not twenty spots. There's twelve. It's hard to remember when you're adding people that that means you have to take take people away. Also, um, the weirdest thing with Gooch is that he's won now three of these events, and besides that, and I realize saying besides that, three wins is significant. It's a significant amount of good golf. He hasn't really played that well other than that. He missed the cut at the mm-hmm. PGA, which is the only time we've seen him in that uh, broader competition since his well, 34th he, place he decided finish to at the not Masters. qualify for the U.S. Open. Did not play, enter. yeah, open qualifying for unlike half this podcast. Um, <laughs> anyway, just an interesting case study in in. I guess setting your biases aside, like the way that the world will view the way the Ryder cup world will view Taylor Gooch will be telling because you can kind of, you can really tell a positive story about his summer. You can also tell a story about uncertainty and that's kind of where Zach Johnson was when he was talking about this stuff at the PGA championship. So we'll see, but he's, he's definitely in that list of people now that are worth monitoring. And I don't know where his, kind of live stirring lawsuit yeah filing <laughs> like i don't know how i know that he and max homa used to play practice rounds together all the time i imagine they're still friendly but i don't know in general how like the rest of the the core of the yeah. u.s team feels about him well and look we're at a point now where there is a proposed partnership between live golf and the pga tour right between the PIF, the tour, the DP World Tour, whatever. Uh, and the PGA Tour, the PGA Tour's best players were all essentially offered money to go to live. Mm-hmm. Whether they've come out and said it publicly or not, it is a matter of fact. Like Rory will say he never was officially offered money, but he knew money was on the table. Jordan Spieth, I think, is in the same boat. Sam Burns, I've been told, $100 million offer. Cameron Young, yeah. Cameron Young, for sure, was was down some pathways with Live Golf. He was subpoenaed for that exact reason. Um, So 
Why do I say that? It's because those are the guys that are going to be on this Ryder Cup team. <laughs> those are the guys that will be answering Zach Johnson's question. Do you want Taylor Gooch on the squad? And I could see a lot of them, first off, being selfish. Secondly, just thinking, okay, how many things do I have leverage over? <laughs> how many things have I not used leverage upon? How many, how many things have I not leveraged? And my uh, status or my, you know, my, my say, my weight in the team room on the Ryder Cup team is one of those things. And you know what? I want Taylor Gooch or any of those guys, not named Brooks Kepka, who will probably play his way onto the team, to just have to sit this one out. I want to give Colin Morikawa or someone of that ilk, right? Uh, Kurt Kitayama, right? Tony Finau, uh, Saad Thigala. We see him as a future Ryder Cup team member. We would rather throw him a bone because they all said no to live golf. Who doesn't matter how far down the line they got, they eventually said no. They eventually ignored it. And that's worth something to this team. I could totally see that happening. Sean, what else did we learn from the ecosystem this week? Um, there was a, a PAC meeting. Things are happening. The framework agreement is crawling forward. There were some some players rallying to the defense of Patrick Cantlay after an Eamon Lynch I, article. Yeah, uh, that was weird. I think it was a it was a tour uh, policy board meeting, not a PAC meeting. You're right. I appreciate the correction. Uh, a five-hour meeting though in which tour players that matter five of them uh, that are on the board that will vote yes or no on whether or not this partnership as it is drawn up will be pushed forward Uh, those guys are charlie hoffman rory mcelroy peter malnati webb simpson and your boy patrick cantley Um, they had a five-hour meeting which is a lot of hours to add to the middle of your week. It happened in Detroit. It sounded like Rory was in attendance. He was not playing the event. That's a big deal. Um, But they decided that, yeah, you know what? This passes the initial smell test. We have, uh, we're still very skeptical, obviously, but we're going to push forward and, and, um, and see what comes next. Like we're, we're happy with where this thing is going, which I think is an expected step. Um, but you know, for one, for almost a month there, we had a lot of player skepticism kind of, uh, just spinning around, not trusting Jay Monahan, not trusting the tour, you know, players getting up in player meetings and cussing out Jay Monahan. Uh, a lot of things kind of just the optics weren't great between player trust and the PJ tour. And this felt like a step in the positive direction for all of that. Uh, just felt like a very small step. And so, you know, I think what we really have learned Dylan is like <laughs> Yasser all Ramayan saying this thing is going to get figured out in a couple of weeks. That's just not the case. <laughs> like we're, we're looking months yeah. down the road for this thing to get signed. Um, we did see the framework though, right? Framework agreement, mm-hmm. which outlines that <clears throat> December 31st, 2023 is kind of a deadline on this whole thing. Of course, there can be extensions to official paperwork granted, but that's the kind of deadline to really get this thing done. Um, so yeah, I, I think... I think things are moving along. I think that's the update more than anything. It feels like after everyone saying for a minute there, hold on, wait, what? We are not on the same page at all. Everyone's having completely different reactions, et cetera, et cetera. This meeting and the response and even the can't lay thing, there were like little signs this week that players seem to be uh, one getting looped in more, understanding a plan more, and two, like taking control of their own destiny a little bit more. So I think reading between the lines, that's where it feels like this Cantlay stuff is coming from. I don't quite buy that he is leading some coup per se, Um, but I think these guys are now saying, hang on, we want to understand what's going on here because that feeling of, of being surprised by this deal, that sucked. 
But now maybe, you know, we're seeing the merits in it. I don't know. Yeah. I think where I'm confused, and I think you and I maybe pay attention to this more than other podcasts, but so Cantlay is on the policy board. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was given a one-year term. <laughs> uh, he was the 10th member of the policy board. Under the framework agreement, there will be an 11th member. His name is Yasser al Ramayan. And in the future, if it's him or if it's another person from the PIF, the PIF are supposed to have a place on that board. But Cantlay is granted a one-year term. Um, Adam Scott is the chairman of the PAC, so he would be expected to join the policy board next year. It just feels like there are a group of tour, of tour players now that are going to be kind of a in charge of this and really, really representing the tour. And it's not just Rory, right? Rory is one of them, but Peter Malnati is speaking out now more than he ever really has been. Yeah. And Webb Simpson is certainly feeling more comfortable speaking out now more than he ever has been. Adam Scott literally was the one who created and sent the initial support on social media of Patrick Cantlay, which is a very un-Adam Scott-like thing to do. Ricky Fowler did the same thing. That is not something that we've seen from Ricky's social channels. Um, we are kind of trying to read the tea leaves a little bit, but it just seems like there's a, a group of people that are elevating themselves upward a bit. Um, some of it formally, some of it informally. And I think that's good because at one point, uh, during the chaos, it was everyone shouting, <laughs> everyone confused, everyone pointing their figures. That's when you get Rory McIlroy and Grayson Murray yelling at each other across a player uh, a player meeting. Um, it seems to be like the the waves are are slowing down, and I sure. think the right people are getting in charge. And if you read, I guess if you read Peter Malnati's comments, that's. I think a pretty accurate representation of how some tour pros feel of like, all right, we were there. Now you're telling us we really have to get to some completely different mental position and I can get there, but I'm going to feel a little weird about it. That's kind of what he was saying. And he's still in this emotional limbo. And he's also not sure if he needs to be wrapping his head around this because it's not clear if the deal is going to go through. So everyone feels like they're in this in-between zone. I think they feel a little bit of a, loss of loyalty like the the spell has been broken that everyone is really pulling in the exact same direction um but anyway i appreciated his candor in a a long interview with golf week and yeah i think i mean we're probably even just being too cautious even talking about this right now instead of really letting it fly with what we think is going to happen but i would (laughs) say be cautious also there's a lot of people filling the void with random crap and uh, i'm not sure that that I'm not sure we know exactly how it's going to look. Live may well exist next year, though. I will say that. It just doesn't seem like any change will happen quickly enough necessarily. I don't think I don't to... think we've been saying anything but that. I certainly haven't been. I don't think you have been. But... No, no, no. I, I'm not saying we have been, but I think that at some point people were wondering, and even, even Jay Monahan was suggesting, like, yeah, I mean, next year I doubt that Live will look the way it looks right now. Um, we'll see if these, if these two tracks are meeting in the middle or if they're going to continue to go in opposite directions for a while. I don't know. Yeah. Next week they're still competing, right? Yeah. There's live golf. There's live golf London. I mean, they're competing this week. Uh, like you just said, Taylor Gooch won an event in Spain that frankly was happening while the final round of the Detroit event was going on next week. You got London versus John Deere, the baby. John, the John Deere classic, you know, England where I currently live in Illinois, where I pay rent coming full circle for me. There are a lot of mouths to feed. Yeah. There's a lot of mouths to feed. I think that has been this debate this entire time since the minute Phil opened his mouth to Alan Shipnook. Who is the hungriest? <laughs> and Phil was really hungry when he did that. And I think the players who took money from Liv were hungry of, for a different reason. And I think there's a lot of players on the PJ Tour 
who are like really content with the money that they were making. And now we've reached a point where it's like, okay, uh, who's hungry for their status quo? Do the live golf guys really, really want to keep their flags flying? Right. Bill yeah. is selling high flyers capes in the merch stores. Are you going to get one at Centurion? I feel like as a bit, I probably should buy one. Um, also, maybe are not you hungry? Did you get dinner? This this segment kind of sounds like maybe you're <laughs> like I'm angry. No, no I'm just hung- saying like hungry, hungry. Who who matters the most here? The DP World Tour matters a good bit, but they were, as you labeled, a distressed asset uh, in considerations from the PJ Tour. The PJ Tour uh, executive committee, like how how important are they going to be in all of these negotiations? How important are the players going to be considered in all these negotiations compared to the live players? The Ryder Cup is this asset that gets thrown around because it's an insane moneymaker. Like there's so many things, it's hard to understand what is most important. And um, I guess that's what leads us into like a, a big state of confusion. Big state of confusion. A lot of things to to uh, look more into here this week, Sean. We do have some uh, something to unabashedly look forward to, which is the U.S. Women's Open at Pebble Beach happening mm-hmm. this week. Preparations already underway. Um, I mean, we'll talk about it once we've seen it, but uh, I think it's going to be awesome. I think it's going to feel big. That's what the LPGA uh, commissioner has been talking about, needing these events to feel big, and I think – Pebble has that built-in cachet. Everyone knows it. Everyone's played it in video games. Everyone's seen mm. the men play it you, every January. You've played it in real life. I've played it in real. How many times? Real life. I lost count. Two. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a cool spot. Nice. That's two more times than I've played it. Sean, I think it's time for you to go to bed. All right. Sounds good, Dad. It's a beautiful afternoon in Seattle. There's a lot of life <laughs> to, to go live. Um, but, hey, hang in there. Go get go get yourself some ice cream. Nightcap. Make some friends. I don't know. We're trailing off. Let's try that outro again. All right, Sean. Have a good night. Get some sleep. There's court documents to read tomorrow. And then... Can you, can you celebrate the 4th of July in uh, in England on Tuesday? Yeah. I'm going to find my friend Pete uh, Kuhig, I think his name. I think it's Kuhig. Could be Kuhig. Can't tell. He's an American, uh, and we're going to take on some uh, some English lads in a, in a match. So, All right. Orange, white, and orange, baby. Happy 4th. See you later.